Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So it is December. Yeah, and the turkey coma has just about worn off from Thanksgiving. And um, it's Christmas, so to everyone here, Merry Christmas. First Sunday I get to do that. Merry Christmas. And to those of you joining us uh, from Vallejo or online, Merry Christmas to you too. Um, Vanessa kind of did a little bit of a poll earlier, but I just want to ask again, how many have actually finished all of your Christmas decorating? Okay, a few, quite a few. How many will like be decorating for the whole month of December? Okay, okay, yeah, this um, here's, here's another question. When do the Christmas decorations come down, okay? How many in this room, they are down by New Year's Eve? Yeah, if you just move on to the next holiday, just, that's done, let's keep moving on. How many will have your Christmas decorations up at least all the way through January? Yeah, you people are sick. It's like you are caught in a fantasy world over there. Uh, everybody has their traditions. I know we have our family traditions and, and uh, what Christmas looks like and, and who you get together with and how you work that all out between the two families, um, what, what the Christmas decorations look like, how many you add each year, how much bigger it gets each year. Um, and so it is one of those seasons that just has its own tradition like no other. Um, there are certain songs that we only sing this time of year. They just don't seem appropriate in the middle of July. There's all of these traditions. One of the traditions is you expect when you come to church in December that we're going to talk about the Christmas story. And you're right, which makes it kind of hard for us pastors because every year we got to talk about this again. And, and every year, and I kind of start earlier and earlier just thinking about and praying about, okay, this year, what, what new fresh, what new thoughts, what, what can I do with this? So um, one of the things I've been thinking about this year letting into the Christmas season was just the, this whole idea of how God speaks um, and how he did it to different people in different ways. And, um, and, and one of the things I think that happens is that we're so familiar with the story because even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you have no church background, you pretty much know the story and you know how it turns out. And, um, and if you take three weeks to tell it, you know, that's it. Um, but I think sometimes our familiarity with the story, it kind of loses its impact. We know the story, we know how it turns out, and, and, and you know, what does it have to do with my life? And so as I've been thinking about that this week, I think, I think it really does. And what I wanna do for the next couple of weeks is just let's talk about and let's look at the people in the story and how they experienced it for the very first time and how it impacted their lives and, and then, how does it impact mine? How does it impact yours? And if you're here and you're not a church person at all and you're just here because it's Christmas time, um, I think there's something here for you. And if you've been a Christ follower for years and years and years, with this fresh look, I just want to ask you to keep your heart open and say, God, what are you speaking to me? So we're going to look at it through the different eyes of different people um, through the story. And the first we're going to start with, of course, is Mary. So it's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And we're going to start reading in verse 26, um, the very first time that Mary is introduced to this whole idea. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now I can pretty much, no I can guarantee, no one in this room is going to have the same assignment as Mary. But I do believe, I do believe that every one of us in this room have a purpose and a calling. I don't think calling is just for pastors and missionaries, and and I've said this all along. I believe every one of us who, in fact, not just even for Christ followers, I believe God has a purpose and a calling for everyone. It's just that in Christ, you truly find it. And God has a call on your life and a call on mine and, and, and actually, you know, if you think about it, innately we kind of, we, we believe that. We say things like, well, everything has a purpose. Everything, it all, you know, there's always, a, there's a reason for everything. You ever said that before? Who says that? What, how do you know that? How do you know that? We will say things like, well, it'll all work out. Really? How do you know? And we have this innate idea inside us that things ought to make Sense that there ought to be a reason, there ought to be a purpose behind everything. And I believe that's part of how God created us. Because we do have a purpose, and finding your purpose, in fact, we actually took this last summer, we took a number of weeks and talked about finding and discovering your purpose. And, and it really comes down to a couple of things. Learning how to hear God's voice, and then learning how to say yes when you hear it. And Mary is a perfect example of that. It's a, it's a whole idea of when God speaks, what does that look like for you and for me? So that's what we're going to look at today, when God speaks. And here's one of the first things you discover. When God speaks, he speaks to you with words of grace. See, God always takes the initiative with us with grace. That Mary's, the very first words that Mary hears from the angel is this. Greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, when we read that, I don't know about you, but most of the times I, I kind of think, well, Mary was different. Okay? Mary, Mary was special that somehow she earned this, this, this special standing with God because from the very beginnings of your life, you're kind of taught and you're kind of brought up with this idea that you have to kind of make your own way in life, that, that you have to earn and you have to achieve and you have to, you have to do all those things to, to get anything in life, that it's all about how hard you work and what you do and how good you are and how, you know, all of those other things. And, and it starts very, very early. In fact, even at Christmas time, you know, we, we all kind of... Let me ask you, see see if you can complete this line, okay? 
He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if been bad or good. Yeah. So be good for goodness sake. Yeah, because the, and, 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 and parents have been using that line for decades now. For the whole month of December, you better watch out. You better not pout, you know. And if that, if that were not enough, a couple of years ago, some ingenious guy came up with this idea. Now, for those of you who are like my age, you may not know who this is, but I guarantee you everyone in this room who is a parent of a two or three-year-old knows exactly who this is. This is the elf on the shelf. He's a spy. Now you officially have Santa's spy in your house making sure that you're being good. (laughs) And it's put in a prominent place so you know that he's watching that you're doing good. And and that's kind of how we're raised. We always have this idea that I've got to be good. And none of us are good enough. We read those, that sentence, highly favored. You found favor with God. Do you know that the word favor there, in, in that really, are, are, they're all extensions of the same root, which is the root of the word grace. That you are greatly graced. That you have found grace with God. It came as a gift, as it comes to you and me. God's words to us are always words of grace. And if you have this idealized picture of Mary, then you'll never think that that could be anything like that for me. That I'm not that kind of person. That that I can't relate to that. I'm gonna tell you, Mary was not the, the, the serene blue robe sitting adoringly looking at the manger child. She was probably no more than 15, 16 years old. 13 to 15, probably somewhere in there. And she lived a hard, life was hard back then. She was probably strong and scrappy and, and, and was working the field just as much as anybody else. You know, that, that, that's the kind of person that she was. She was a real person. If you have some kind of idealized, then you can't relate to that. Now, yes, in some ways she was unique. There were qualities and characteristics about her that God saw that could be used. But he came to her in words of grace in the same way that he comes to you and I. In fact, Paul picked up on this idea in the letter that he wrote to a church in a city called Ephesus. He wrote these words. In Christ, we were chosen. We were chosen to be God's people because from the very beginning, God had decided this in keeping with his plan then God has a plan that, that that he is working out this plan in human history and we were chosen we too were chosen and by the way if you're wondering who we is he actually gets down to the nitty-gritty and he puts it this way you also you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth the gospel of your salvation now if you look it up in the Greek the word you, you know what it means? You. <laughs> it means you. We is you and I. That, that we have a part in this whole thing too. That Mary played a part, but so do you. 
Because that goes to the second thing, that when God speaks to you in words of grace, he calls you to a greater purpose. A lot of times we think about grace as being, okay, I know I'm forgiven from my sin. I know I have a place in heaven. So now I can just kind of take life easy. You know, be comfortable. Because my future's taken care of and whatever mistakes I made are always forgiven. And so that's grace and I live in grace. And so just kind of take life as it comes, coast my way through. Because I know eternity is taken care of for me. Grace is much more than that. It's partly that, but it's much more than that. Grace, God does not call you to a life of comfort. He calls you to a life of adventure. He calls you to a life of partnership with him in the work that he's doing in this world. His grace always comes with a calling. For Mary, it was this. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, no wonder the first words to Mary were, don't be afraid, because that's a pretty heavy calling. But you and I also have a calling. Jesus didn't come to make your life comfortable. He came to include you in this redemptive work that he is doing in this world. And every one of us, you and I, we all have a part in that. You have a calling. And your calling has to do with what God is doing in this world. We are partners in his work. Look at what Paul wrote, again, further on into the letter to the Ephesians. He said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We, that's the same we, the you and I that he was talking about earlier, we are his workmanship created for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. That we would be a part of this work that he's doing in this world. That, that we would join with him in partnership with, with this, this incredible work of redemption. That you and I actually have a part of that. And it doesn't matter. It's not just for pastors and it's not just for missionaries and it's not just for people with some kind of special calling. Every one of us. When you put your faith in Christ, you received his grace and along with that grace came a call. And some of us, some of us are more adventurous than others because steps of faith and calling, that involves risk. And that can be scary. And, and some of us, we are more daring. We are more of those risk takers. And, and, and in fact, actually, um, you've heard of type A and type B kind of personalities. A, a guy named R.E. Morehouse um, actually came up with what he called a type T personality. The T stands for thrill, okay? These are the thrill seekers, the adrenaline junkies. These are the people that like to live on the edge. We actually have one of these on our pastoral staff. Maybe more than one, but one I know of for sure. Watch this. Beyond our horizons, leading us into your 
when I first saw that, I thought, that is a long time to be falling. <laughs> that is a long time to be falling. And some of you, you see that, and you're going to go right after the service and go find Vanessa and say, where did you do that? Sign me up. And most of us in this room are thinking, why would anybody walk out of a perfectly good airplane? <laughs> some of us like living on the edge. Some of us, we're drawn more to comfort and living within the box. For Mary to say, yes, this was going to change her whole life. The whole trajectory of her life was going to be absolutely different than anything she had imagined. And whatever thoughts that she had and and plans that she had in her version of the white picket fence and the nice suburban family, those were going to be out the door. Everything was going to change. And not just for a moment, but for the rest of her life. Everything was going to be different. Stepping out in faith. It's risky stuff. She had no idea what Joseph's reaction was going to be. At this point, she doesn't know. She could end up being a single mom. And all the whispers and all the gossip and all the shunning that would be for the rest of her life. That's what she was signing up for. Now, that was a big, big bold, risky step. And for some of us, those kind of big, bold, risky steps, we live for that. Most of us do not. For most of us, every step of faith that we take feels like jumping out of the airplane. A couple of weeks ago, the number of people who said for the very first time, I'm going to honor God with my wealth with my income with my resources and I'm going to start giving back 10% back to the work of God in this world and for most of you that feels like jumping out of an airplane I will tell you every single big step of faith I have taken in my life I have been scared spitless But every one of them opened the doors to an opportunity to experience God's work in my life. And for some of us, those big, bold steps of faith, yeah. But for most of us, it's just the next little step of faith. And and it's that step that you take towards your calling, whatever that might look like, that's going to be risky for you. That's going to feel just as much like jumping out of an airplane as someone who takes those big, bold steps. Because it's always a risk. And it's always putting ourselves out there beyond our comfort zone. And that is scary stuff. And I will tell you, I honor those who take those little steps of faith that find it to be just as risky as those big, bold steps of faith. I honor you for that because you take the step anyway. And that's what leads you to the call of God on your life. Just taking those steps one at a time. Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I grew up thinking that was talking about heaven. That you have no idea heaven's going to be so beyond your understanding. No, You look at the context, that is not what he's talking about. What he is talking about is what God is doing in this world. 
And he's saying, it is so fantastic that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared. And that's true of you. Your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, and your mind has not imagined what God has for you. It will blow your mind. Because what he's doing in this world is the redemption of creation. And you and I have a part in that. And it is risky stuff. But when you take the step, the third thing is that when God speaks, he also brings promises. And he promises his strength for you to, that you need to fulfill his calling. He, prompts, he, he doesn't call you to do something then expect you to do it in your own strength. Because following God's call on your life, um, taking those next steps of faith to you are going to feel impossible. They will. They will feel like jumping out of that airplane. And you will, because, because here's what you know about yourself. You know your weaknesses. You know your shortcomings. All of those things that you try to keep hidden from everybody else, you know. And inside you're thinking, God can't possibly use me. Look at what a mess I am. Nobody else sees it, but I know. God doesn't expect you to do it in your own strength. And whatever your shortcomings and your weaknesses and the impossibility that it might feel to you, what it feels like to you is just as much what it felt like to Mary. She asked the question, how will this be? Mary asked, since I am a virgin. Now that's a really good question. (laughs) But what I love about the question, it's not, no, that's not possible. The question is how, how can that be possible? And there's a big difference between those two. Whatever God is calling you to do, Whatever it is that he's, he's put inside of you. And, and here's what I believe. Whether it be taking a, a fresh step of faith with your finances, whether it be taking a fresh step of faith in your relationships or, or in your career, uh, or, or, or in maybe taking on ministry, or maybe something God's planted in your heart and you've been wrestling with it. Maybe it's a need that you see and you're just thinking, I should be a part of the answer to that need. Whatever it is, When you take the step of faith, he is there. And the promise that he made to Mary is the same one that will be to you. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. By the way, that is the same promise that Jesus made to his disciples in the last conversation he had with them before he ascended back into heaven. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the promise given to Mary. That was the promise given to the disciples and it's a promise given to you and me. You will not do this on your own, but the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will be in you and you will deliver, not in your own strength, but in His. And I believe that God has planted something in your heart It might be something that you have ignored and pushed to the side or unwilling to acknowledge, but you know it's there. 
It might be any of those things that we talked about before. But, but the only way it's going to come about is by willing to take the step and jump out of the plane. And look what he wrote to the Ephesian church. God, God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Again, it's mind-blowing. According to his power that is work at work within us, within you, within me. So whatever that next step is, whatever it looks like for you, let me encourage you to learn the sentence of Mary. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Would you just be willing to say, whatever God is probing at, whatever he's poking at, whatever he's dealing with within you, whatever big decision or little decision it might be, and it still feels like jumping out of the plane, would you just learn the sentence to say, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. May it be to me as you have said. Would you bow your heads with me? And for those of you in our Vallejo campus, I'm going to turn it over to your campus host there. Here's my question. Where is your next step in this faith journey? What is it that God maybe has been calling you to? What area of your life has he been kind of been poking at and say, you know, you just need to trust me with this. Would you be willing to jump out of the plane and say, Lord, I'm your servant. May it be to me as you have called me. And if you find yourself here today wrestling with one of those big decisions or little decisions, wrestling with faith in an area of your life that seems so, so risky and you're resistant because of the fear, would you today be willing to say, I am your servant. Lord, may it be to me as you've said. And if you find yourself at that point today with any particular area of your life, any particular calling that you sense he has on you, would you be willing to say that to him today? If you would, I'm going to ask you to do like we do every week. Make a decision. Make it known. Just raise your hand. Hold it up for a moment. Look up. Catch my eye. I want to acknowledge you because I want to pray with you in four years we close. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Now, maybe for you, it's a first step of faith. Jesus came to forgive your sins. He came and lived life on your terms. He, He knows the struggles of your life. And then he ultimately gave his life on a cross so that you could know that relationship with him, so that you could learn to trust him, so that you could give him all of those weaknesses and failures and mistakes and sin and find forgiveness and restoration and calling and purpose for your life. And maybe for you, for some of us today, it's a first step of faith. And if that's where you're at and you're just willing to say, God, I have been doing this on my own and I can't do it. 
and my failures and my mistake and my sin. I need your forgiveness. But I want to start fresh and new with you today. And for you, that's a first step of faith. Would you do the same thing? Just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, look up, catch my eye, because I want to pray with you and lead you into prayer as we close. All right. Yeah. 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 So I'm just going to invite you to make this your prayer, whether it's a first-time decision or decision about a particular area of calling. It's this, Lord, I want to be your servant. I want to be faithful. I cannot do this on my own. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need to live with that sense of calling and purpose. And so today, my prayer to you is, Lord, I am your servant. Take me as, you, as I am. Empower me. And may it be to me as you have said. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.